Welcome to Tech Down, the weekly podcast discussing technology and other nerd-related topics. My name is Aaron, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother Adam. Adam, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. How are you doing today? I am super excited, actually. Uh, we are recording this episode a little later than we normally do in the week, which worked out just fine because today is a very important day. Uh, today is the first day of general availability for the Apple Watch, which, if you've been listening to any previous episodes of TechDown, is really exciting in our world. Um, unfortunately, we are both empty-handed today, so we're just going to touch on the Apple Watch really, really quick and then get on to our main topic. So I just wanted to say really fast, the update on my Apple Watch order um, is currently uh, preparing. Oh, man. No, it's not. So currently my order is processing, but I've been obsessively checking the status of it maybe a couple times an hour because I need to see it go into preparing for shipment because I am... Uh, that kind of person. Like, I'm getting more and more desperate to see a shipping notification from my Apple Watch. And I kind of thought that Adam and I were on the same page about this until I checked into Twitter earlier today. Can you kind of inform our uh, listenership what special privilege you got for being part of uh, the Apple developer program? Yeah, so I ordered a second watch, which you would have known if you obsessively checked your Twitter stream. Don't turn this around on me. Uh, Apple opened up a raffle to their developers uh, where they would would let you enter the raffle and then you would, if you won, have the ability to purchase one 42mm silver sport edition with a blue band which was not the color band or the size screen that i had initially ordered or the color apple watch right or the color apple watch yeah but so the watch that you could buy from them would ship early next week and since mine was due to ship in four to six weeks i thought i would so one i i thought that it would be cool to get the watch earlier but two I'm kind of like it makes me feel kind of privileged that this is now the developer watch uh this blue band. So I'm kind of excited about that. I feel kind of privileged. I bought mine and for a moment I was thinking that I might want to get it and then sell it on eBay, which might uh yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how much they're really going for if it'd be worth that, but I I think I'm going to get it. I'm going to wear it like a badge of honor, a blue badge of honor, and I'm going to cancel my 38 millimeter black band black case Apple Watch Sport. Yeah, uh, that's really, really interesting that Apple forced your hand here. I guess they didn't force you to do anything. But if you wanted the privilege of paying for this Apple Watch that uh, is a little expedited, they made you go with a 42 millimeter, which I thought was really interesting because you. Um, have mentioned a couple times in the last couple episodes why you chose 38 over 42. So now it's kind of funny that, well, that's what you ended up going with anyway in the, in the end of it. Just giving me a hard time because I made such a big deal about sticking to my guns last episode. No, I mean, that's that's great. I I, I get how it is. Yeah, I can't, whatever. I can't I'm wait remember to hear this. your impressions. Because actually, in all seriousness, I have heard quite a bit of, I, I, I'll just say murmuring on the internet about 
what is what what constitutes a good watch app you know like is it information density spoiler it's not um is it how quick you can look at it it seems like a lot of these things are hard to nail down for developers especially um without having hardware to try it out themselves so a lot of apple watch apps have been developed i'd say almost all of them um unless unless these developers went uh, into apple's super secret labs over in cupertino over the last couple months um they've been developed entirely without hardware to test them on which is really weird and also you don't really know in real world applications how your watch is going to uh behave or or if it's going to work at all so i'm really interested to see if the touch targets on the 38 millimeter one uh, on some of these apps if it's going to be too too small to touch like in real world situations like um, the one I keep waiting to see is an update to Kitchen Sink, your own app, that I could use while I'm walking down the aisle at the grocery store and picking items off my grocery list. And I wonder if that's if that's a situation where you need big touch targets because you're on the move, you're walking, you know, you're mobile, or is that something where maybe you're going to stop and you have a little more time to be a little more precise with what you're tapping on the screen? And these are questions that don't really know because we haven't had a chance to play with the hardware. So. I've actually seen a couple developers taking a wait-and-see approach, uh, and they're not even committing any code uh, to their apps that involve the watch until they have one they can actually use themselves. So I'll be interested to hear your take on how you feel uh, that actually ends up being in the real world. Yeah, so I actually I, I have a kind of basic Apple Watch application that is close to being ready to ship that I want to test out on the watch before I actually ship it. And spoiler alert, I have been working on a update to Kitchen Sink. Ooh. But it's more like it's more of a overhaul, like a 2.0 version, and one of the features that I want to roll out with that is CarPlay support. Apple Watch no? oh. integration. Oh, CarPlay support maybe maybe that as well for when you're driving your car down the grocery aisle. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I like that idea. So I'm actually a little bit surprised, though, that you didn't get a email because I thought everybody with a developer account received one. Man, I sure would have liked that. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, the first time I heard about this lottery or this raffle that Apple held for their developers uh, was when you showed me a screenshot on Twitter, or I guess you linked to a previous tweet you had made the day before, um, that kind of said, congratulations, you win. And I had no idea there was any such thing going on. I didn't get an email. I didn't even see any other people on Twitter mentioning it until after you linked me to that tweet. And then I meant, I saw a bunch of people talking about it. So, yeah, I am actually a little disappointed that I didn't get a ticket to WWDC or one of these lottery watches. But Didn't even get the opportunity to enter this raffle. Yeah, I know. After you missed the boat on your previous raffle, they just knew that you wouldn't win this one. Yeah. They they didn't want you to feel bad about yourself. I have no luck with Apple raffles, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, it's kind of a consolation. I didn't even apply for WWDC, so it's nice to have won something this season. For nothing. Yeah, exactly. You won. What do you mean for nothing? You didn't enter anything. I entered this raffle. Oh, so there was something that you had to actually apply for? Yeah. Oh, man. You, you like, enter your name into a, a lottery, and then if you get it, then they say, oh, congratulations, you can now give us $420. Man, you're supposed to have my back on these things. How, in, what was I supposed to do? You to drop the ball, man. <laughs> Jeez. 
I like I said, I didn't know that they were picking and choosing or randomly sending these invites out to people with a developer account. I thought that everybody got them just like the WWDC ticket lottery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I guess what this means is when your watch ships, what was it supposed to ship on the 28th? Something like that. A couple days. Yeah. Yeah. Monday or Tuesday, I think. Um. Okay. So all that means is I'm going to have to play with your Apple watch a ton before mine actually ends up coming. Cause I don't foresee me taking a trip to the Apple store in the next couple weeks uh, to actually mm-hmm. try it on. So the next best thing is going to be to bug you about it. Fantastic. I look forward to it. Um, okay, so that is really the only update I wanted to get out there about the Apple Watch. I thought that was pretty exciting news. Did you want to move on to our main topic of the week? I, I would love to. All right. So this is, I think we teased it at the end of the last episode. You suggested some homework for me. Yeah. And what that homework was was to download a Blizzard game that's available on a couple of different platforms. It's available on iOS and Android and Windows PCs, I think Mac too. And the game is a trading card game called Hearthstone. Um, I had heard of Hearthstone before because it's been out for maybe a year, year and a half, something like that. And you had been mentioning it um, uh, on a couple occasions throughout the last year or so, asking me to play it. And I would gotten so far as to download the game on my iPad, but I never committed to actually trying it out. Wait, so before you continue. Yes. Can I make a guess? Oh, yeah, sure. You... You did not complete your homework, and you are here to beg forgiveness. And so, <laughs> to follow that up, I don't ever want to play Hearthstone. No. Um, it, actually, I kind wait, of wait, wish so, I never played Hearthstone. So, is does that mean you did complete your homework? I did do my homework. Yeah, my teachers from high school would be super proud of me right now. Because I can yeah. say definitively, I did homework that was assigned to me. Although, Fantastic. I've mentioned this to a couple people. In hindsight, it's sort of like you assigned doing heroin to me for homework because this is so friggin' addictive. This game is amazing. Wait, uh, okay. So, I can't tease it anymore. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> you just you just gotta, gotta dive right in. But, okay, so you think it's amazing. But before we dive into that, like, what, what did you expect about this game? So, I have pretty limited experience with other trading card games um i grew up in the pokemon card generation so i had quite a few pokemon cards but like all of my other peers we never actually played matches or anything like that it was just a collecting thing and i played a small amount of Yu-Gi-Oh and magic um i don't know like a couple years back um but i had never really gotten into the the tgc scene if you will um and so I didn't I didn't really know what to expect. I know that you really enjoyed this game, but on the other hand, you enjoy every game Blizzard puts out, so I don't know if that was a biased opinion. Uh it's something that was mostly off my radar. I don't have I don't have a ton of friends who are playing it. I don't play very many other Blizzard games. So it was I was kind of going in with fresh eyes. That's where that was what my expectation was. I, did, I you know, that is to say I didn't really have much. So, uh, just to give you a little bit of background on on my perspective uh, of things, um, I have played Hearthstone fairly consistently for about the past year, and I am still obsessed with it. And I have recommended it to several people that they try it out, and I feel like every time I recommend it, people like kind of shrug it off, and I, I feel like. Do you do you watch Parks and Rec? 
Yeah, Mary Beth and I actually just wrapped up the last season of it. Yeah, the, there's uh there's the episode Spoilers. with the with the snake juice where there snake where juice Tom knowledge? has the snake juice. Yeah. But he he like has the snake juice drink and Ron Swanson is trying to get people to drink it <laughs> because he likes it and he walks up to a couple and he's like you should buy this and they're like yeah all right man and he's like son you should know that my endorsement is basically a guarantee. <laughs> And that's what I, f- I feel like saying about Hearthstone. Like, I am so confident that pretty much anybody will get some level of enjoyment out of it that I have no qualms recommending it. And so I do, uh, and I feel like I'm I'm kind of loud and frequent with my endorsements, and I feel like I get shrugged off all the time. Yeah. Like, I hardly anybody listens to me. Maybe I just need to assign it as homework more often. So that, that was my background. I, I more wanted somebody else to to try it out yeah you wanted to give your addiction to another person misery loves company Uh, dude i i am not miserable i am so happy but but go on what what were your first impressions of hearthstone oh man my first impressions of hearthstone okay well can i can i just preface by saying um, of course yeah i got i got into hearthstone playing it on my iphone it's actually something that they just rolled out in the last couple weeks is phone support for uh, Android phones and iOS phones. So that is how I spent a majority of the first week or so since you assigned this homework. Uh, I've been playing it on uh, my phone. And then I went, um, I had known for, for like you said, the last year or so it had been available for iPad. So after a couple of days, I went to the iPad version and did not look back. It was, um, it's not that the phone version is bad or anything, but I do definitely enjoy having the extra screen real estate uh it's maybe one or two fewer swipes to actually play a card from your hand something like that and uh it it ended up being something where instead of just keeping my ipad in my bag for weeks on end not really charging it anything like that i went from not touching my ipad to draining the battery every single day playing hearthstone <laughs> so that that is just a little aside while i uh, end up or i bring up my first impressions here i actually on to do my homework pretty thoroughly. So when I downloaded the app, I started keeping a log of my first impressions of Hearthstone. So without further ado, let's take a quick break and thank our first sponsor. Oh, that's a good teaser. Yeah, right? Yeah, so it's a very exciting episode of Tech Down this week. We have our first sponsor ever. Yeah, we sold out. We've totally sold out. And this sponsor is a beer sponsor. Aaron and I are both drinking Chatterbox beer, uh, an appropriate named beer, I would say. For a podcast, for a couple podcast hosts, for sure. And the uh, so the beer variety is Chatterbox. It's a American pale ale. It is brewed by Shorts Brewery, located here in Michigan, and it is provided to us by none other than our very good friend and TechDown's first guest, John Schultz. And former Jeopardy champion. And current. And, yeah, I mean, but his real claim to fame is that he appeared on an episode of Tech Down. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, and so John didn't give us any copy to read, so I'm just going to say some nice things about him. Let's just speak from the heart here. Yeah, so I've known John for about eight years now, and he is one of the nicest and smartest and funniest and best dressed men that I have ever met in my entire life. 
and I feel very lucky to know him, and I just think he's a fantastic human being. And the fact that he is the first sponsor of TechDown by supplying us with beer just reinforces that fact. Yeah. Um, I also would like to say a couple words in John's behalf here. It almost feels like he's dead, but he's actually very much alive. I'm not pouring any of these beers out. I'm drinking every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) So um, if you missed uh, the episode that John was on, it was a really, really great episode. John was the current reigning champ on Jeopardy, NBC's own Jeopardy. Uh, when we recorded his episode, he was TechDown's first guest host. He's also TechDown's first sponsor. So John means a lot to the show, and we're totally thankful to have him sponsor us for the first time. Excellent selection of beer. So thank you, John. Yep. John is also one of the co-founders of Pink Shirt Friday. Is that right? Okay. The original Pink Shirt Friday. The the the, the holiday, not, not the company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. With, yeah, and Pink Shirt Friday, so was... And still is actually a day of the week to uh, wear pink shirts and celebrate that fact. But my LLC that I publish apps under is called Pink Shirt Friday in order of that. And it's just a very, very special day to me. All right. Any plugs we should give out for Mr. Schultz? Um, so, oh, John will be appearing likely on the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions whenever they schedule that. So uh, I'm sure that we'll talk about it at some point, but he he would love for you to tune in. Follow him on Twitter at JW Schultz for more updates about that. And I don't think he has anything that he's selling or anything, but uh, he's... If he ever does sell anything, he is welcome to be a beer sponsor once again and uh, and get us to plug something for him. Cool. One of our most dedicated listeners. So thank you, John. Yeah. Uh, and if you would like to become a beer sponsor for Tech Down FM, you can send your beers to me or Aaron. And if you are somebody that we don't know or don't know where we live, uh, you can get in contact with us on Twitter and send us beer, and we will say nice things about you or plug your service or software or whatever you are selling. Yeah, we're not picky. We will drink any and all free beer. <laughs> uh, I might be a little bit picky. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll drink that then. I'll drink okay. I'll drink the beer you're too picky to drink. So thank you, John, for sponsoring Tech Down. Yes. All right. On to... First impressions of Hearthstone. Yeah. All right. Lay it on. So I got my list here. So uh, here are my thoughts for Tech Down. Uh, Hearthstone, first thought. My very first match, I thought tutorial was very useful. I thought it did a really, really good job of walking you through uh, how to play cards, uh, the different structures, or the structure of how the game is played and the different turns you take. Um, the the different effects uh, cards or minions might have. It did a really, really good job of ramping you up, which I actually think, for whatever reason, I must have blown through the tutorial on the iPad version. Uh, I do think I launched the game at least once, and then I don't know what happened. I think uh, I must have missed the tutorial the first time around, or they implemented it after uh, I downloaded it the second time. But extremely or polar opposite of the first time I tried playing Hearthstone. I thought it was super engaging. I got into it immediately and wanted to jump into my second match. 
Wait, so you replayed through the tutorial on your phone? Uh, I actually played it for the first time on my phone. Just, uh, I guess I've been playing for about two weeks now. But previously, you know, months back, I had downloaded the game on my iPad and launched it and had no such tutorial. Um, so I, I thought the experience off the bat this time much better uh, this time around. Don't know. Oh, the the iPad version didn't have you go through the tutorial? Either that or I skipped it or something like that. Um, uh, yeah, I definitely see. suggest using the tutorial to get you ramped up. I was a little, uh, I wouldn't say hesitant, but there were a couple gripes, the first few items of my list. Things that, um, these are my raw first impressions. So second yeah. on my list, not clear on how to attack it first. So the game is played with a bunch of different minions on my side and the opponent's side of the playing field. When you play these minions, they attack each other and then... Once there's no more minions, you can attack the other opponent, and then once their health is depleted all the way down from 30, you win the game. Uh, I thought at first it was not necessarily very clear on how to attack. Um, How you do it is you long press on your minion, and then you drag your finger over to your opponent's minion or your opponent, and then let go, and that is the attack. Not necessarily the most intuitive thing right off the bat, but I got the hang of it pretty quickly. On the touch interface, so so, just to know where I'm coming from, I mostly play on the desktop, even now that the phone version is out. Oh, yeah, that's an important clarification. Yeah, And I'm pretty sure that on the desktop you can click on a card and then click on your target or drag from your card to the target. Does And clicking does not work on the touch interface because I, I legitimately forget. Uh, so primarily you are dragging your finger from your your minion to your opponent's. Although there are certain things, I'm trying to think of what it might be, maybe like a ability your minion would have, that when you're selecting who to use it against, in that case you don't necessarily drag it, you could just tap that minion. So still a little confusing on when to touch or drag, but I've mostly got that on your doubt. It's not really a big thing anymore. It yeah. was just an initial small hurdle. Um, so my next note here is halfway into my second game, I foresee addiction and that definitely came to pass. <laughs> you foresaw addiction. Yeah. I, I thought, what made you, what made you think that that's the only thing I have here? I don't know. I think, uh, I feel like, uh, maybe just like a rush of serotonin I got like after I dealt like a really serious blow to the enemy or something. Cause I, I say halfway into the second game. It's not even that I had like had the the sweet taste of victory or anything like that. Like I was chasing that high. I just thought it was really fun gameplay. So was this your second game against an actual opponent or against like the computer? That's a good question. I actually spent the first day or two only playing against uh innkeepers, which are computer opponents. Okay. Yeah, I definitely gradually worked my way into playing against uh, actual real-life opponents. Um, All right. Which which is, I would say, where the the meat of the experience is. And for me, it's a lot of the reason that I keep coming back is it feels so good to defeat an actual person and to outwit them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I I guess this is all part of the tutorial because it took you through a series of stages it was actually a little surprising that the structure of the tutorial was completely different from the rest of the game 
because uh, it kind of takes you through not quite a mission structure, but more like a world structure with a couple different stages, I think five or so. And that's sort of how I expected the rest of the game to progress, like a story mode like that, which didn't actually end up uh, being included at all. Uh, but so, so there are two expansions, actually. Have you not come across them yet? Oh, you know, that's a good point. I have come across them, but I have not actually ponied up yet. So there are two expansions. One actually just came out uh, a couple of weeks ago. One came out about six months ago. And they are single-player story mode versions to play through. Uh, The first one is Curse of Nexramis. And the more recent one is Black Rock Mountain. And you play against different enemy bosses that have different decks that they play with and different enemy abilities. Like, And they're like super overpowered, too. And uh, some of the bosses can be pretty challenging. But every time you beat a boss in one of these single-player challenges, you actually get cards. Oh, cool. So it's a pretty quick way to build your deck and you have to pay for each single player experience. Right. I think it's like 20 bucks or like a ton of gold, a shit ton of gold. Um, and so for 20 bucks or whatever. I, so I, I actually, I, 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 uh, only paid gold for curse of Nexramus. Wow. And it took me forever to actually get enough gold to buy all the wings so much so that when Black Rock Mountain was available for pre-order, I just said, F that. <laughs> I'm going to spend 20 bucks so that I can spend my gold on other things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with both expansions, every time you beat a boss, you get like a legitimately good card for the most part, which is really nice. So if you're addicted now, that's something else that's probably going to be fuel for you. Man, and that's an important note I should get out there right now is I have been enjoying this game for completely completely uh, or completely free uh for the last two weeks or so to download the app is uh free to play is free even the uh the feature called the arena where you create like a completely custom deck that's like a one-off thing and then you play against other opponents who have created one-off decks that is actually pay to play which i didn't realize until after my first uh playthrough of the arena because that one's you know first taste is free of course so i, I i'm interested to see how much value you see in the arena. Because so far, I've had a great time playing this game. It's been super good, and I haven't paid any money at all. I think I might have to actually end up buying these expansions that you're talking about, because that sounds pretty impressive. But what do you think about the arena? So, I go through phases. Uh, In my mind, if you're playing online against online opponents and not through the story mode, you can play either ladder where in in a given season or month, you are trying to get the highest rank that you can achieve. And if you beat people, your rank goes up. And if you lose, then your rank goes down. And so you work your way up from 25 or so to 1. And then after 1, you're in legend rank or whatever. Uh, for the past couple of months, that's what I have mostly played. Oh, also, this is what's known as Constructed. So that you get to pick every single card that goes into your deck. Right. And you can... uh, Something uh, that happens pretty frequently is what's called net net decking, where you actually can go to websites and see what 
decks people are using and you can try to recreate those or tweak them to suit your play style. So you can start to build cards that have really good synergy that way. And then arena is where you are presented with three, you are presented with a choice of cards that go into your deck three at a time. And you have to make your selection. Uh, you, you look at three cards and you say, well, this one is good and these two are bad. You select the good one over and over and over until you have 30 cards. And in that way, you kind of build a more random deck. And whereas in Constructed, like you said, that you haven't purchased the single-player expansions yet, I will have certain cards available to me that you will not have. But in Arena, if you and I were to play against each other, uh, you and I potentially would have had the same pool of cards available for us. So it's more skill-based in that way and experience-based because I know what the good cards are whereas a less experienced player might not know, and I know to look for synergies, whereas a a less experienced player might not know that. So to answer your question, I go through phases. Right now I'm in a constructed phase. Um, I do find Arena very fun and interesting and worthwhile. I'm just not in that phase right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and actually you touched on something that was kind of a pain point i thought in the arena at least in my experience which was i didn't think blizzard did a very good job of setting up an expectation of what the arena is in fact you mentioned that you pick um you pick your deck from a series of three cards that get presented to you and you pick the best of the three or the one that would work best for whatever deck you're constructing and i actually had no idea that i wouldn't be able to go back and redraw cards or change out the ones i got Um, I feel like Blizzard could have done a better job setting up that expectation, but the cynic in me thinks that because the first taste is free, they don't necessarily want you to, uh, to, um, to like have a super exciting, like first time through the arena where you're like, Oh man, I did that. I, you know, saw that, you know, did that, done that, you know, it's done. Whereas I kind of like went through the arena, like, picked a threw together a deck of cards that was like oh man well next time around you know now that i know like how it works like you know i could pick a much better deck and then they throw up the paywall that says like oh if you want to play the arena again it's 150 or however much per uh per go and i'm like well i didn't really realize i would have spent more time creating that first deck on my first playthrough had i understood that it would not be free going forward so i don't know not quite uh manipulative but kind of a little crummy setting the expectations, I thought. So how many arena runs have you done? Just the first one. Like I said, I haven't paid a dime. Yeah. Oh, just the one. How many wins did you get? Um, I had gotten three wins for the key. Really? Yeah. That is, uh, that's pretty impressive, actually. Thank you. I'll go uh, semi-frequently when I play arena. I'll go... Uh, zero or one or two wins if i just don't get a a very good deck uh the maximum that you can win is 12 oh and and then you gotta retire your deck or whatever exactly and then uh I, i have never gotten 12 wins but i've gotten 11 before and you also so at the end of each arena run you get rewards you probably don't even know this i actually did get uh um, a couple awards from my arena run, which were gold, 
and then a card, and then a deck of cards, which I was so excited about, except most of them were duds. But the better you do in Arena, the better your rewards are. Right. So you'll get... You, it can actually be... So you pay gold. Not I always pay gold. I never pay money to do Arena. You pay gold to get into the Arena. You can actually get back more gold than you put in if you win like more than six or so games in Arena. So it can actually be profitable for you. Um, but then also, if you win a certain amount, they might throw in just... You, you said you got a golden card? It wasn't a golden card, I don't think. It might have been oh, like rare or something like that, oh, like a blue one. You got gold and a card. Yeah, yeah. But so if you get like 10, 11, or 12 wins, I think the likelihood that you get like a legendary card is uh, much higher. Man. All right, I might have to go through the arena again. Another channel for your addiction. Um, you want to get back to this list? Oh, yeah, getting back to back to your impressions. Let's hear it. All right, so again, a lot of these first thoughts are from the tutorial section. So my next thought is, <laughs> can you discard? Question mark. Which I believe the only way you can actually discard hands or de- or cards from your hand is if you're if, if uh, it's a special ability of a minion that you're playing. Um, that's the only way I've seen to do it personally. Is am I wrong about that? What do you mean by discard? Like take a garbage card that's in your hand that you don't want to play and then get it out of your hand and maybe draw another card, maybe not. Uh no, no you can't really do that yet unless it's a card's ability. You're given the opportunity like when you start, you're presented with a starting hand and you can shuffle those cards back into your deck some all or none of those cards back into your deck and get replacement cards if you'd like but that's really your only opportunity to uh to not not use those cards but i I don't understand why you would have any garbage cards um well like you said you get an opportunity to repick those first uh cards that you draw you know it asks you do you want to replace any of these and you only get one chance if you want to replace a card then a different one is going to come in and that may be a card that you play early on in the game it might be one you play later on it might be one that actually it turns out the game uh like maybe you uh, you anticipate playing a game a certain way and it shakes out a completely different way so a card like is not really relevant to the current game in which case it's just kind of taking up room in your hands. I don't know the specific situation here. It's pretty early on in my experience. But turns out, no, you cannot discard. Right. If it's in your hand, it's you're going to be holding on to it basically until you play it, have the mana to play it, or another card that you have forces you to discard it. Yep. But go on. Continue with your impressions. All right. I have good news because my next note is that I crushed it in my second game which is good because that's the tutorial. <laughs> so good job Congratulations. yeah, doing the second stage. Um, I said, I like the solo mission progression so far, which, again, this is an early impression, not realizing that I was just playing through the tutorial, which seems like is actually a little bit more in line with uh, what you would expect from the experience of the DLC. So maybe uh, that would be up my boat, considering that I really like the tutorial of uh, the main game. Next thing I said is the phone user experience is not too bad. Not a huge fan of tapping cards in your hand to bring them up before playing them, which is something I alluded to before is that it takes an extra tap or swipe to 
uh, bring up your hand and then play a card, whereas on the iPad, your hand's basically up already because you're afforded more space because of the larger device. So it's not a big um, change or anything like that. It's, it is a little strange because I do occasionally go from the iPad to the phone or vice versa because I've killed the battery on one of those two. So <laughs> it is like a slight adjustment, but I, I'm actually really impressed for how how much at parity the phone and the iPad version are. Like they lay out some graphical elements, but you can do all the same things on the phone that you can do on the iPad, which is really, really cool. I don't know if yeah. I mentioned that's how I played for the first like week was only on the phone. Yeah, no, I completely agree. They've done a phenomenal job with the phone and it is completely usable even given the smaller screen. I play on a six. I don't know if you were playing on your six or your six plus if you've switched I tried over. it out on both. Uh, so oh. I killed my iPad. So I pulled it up on the six plus while I was using my six for just normal phone stuff. And that worked awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I think that it also supports the 4S, and I'm not sure. I, mm. I haven't played on that yet, but I might have uh, to that try might that be out. a little bit more cramped. Yeah. But yeah, they, they've done a great job with the phone version. Um, my next comment is, fuck yeah, draw two cards. <laughs> Apparently I was really excited about Is that the, the Arcane Intellect card? Yeah, it might be. I mean, I guess I was playing as a mage to start off right. with because that's the default right. class, so probably. So wh- why do you think your impression was, f*** yeah? Uh, you know, I, I think it was just like the excitement of like, what's the next card going to be? And it's like maybe in this case it was something that was clutch and I was able to use in a combo or it like sealed the deal on the game. Like I've had hmm. a couple games that it doesn't look like I'm about to win or maybe like the hand that I have doesn't seem like uh, enough to put put myself over the top to win a game and then I'll get a card that's like just enough damage to like deal that final blow and that is an awesome feeling like when you see yeah. that card come up so maybe that's what this was. So uh, just uh so this is getting more into strategy but that is a 2 mana card I think. And so what you are doing when you play it is you are exchanging one of your cards it's three yeah i think so okay so you're exchanging one of your cards and three mana for two cards so like you essentially like you you get two cards but you've spent a card so you're you're positive one but you're negative three mana it's a trade-off for sure, and contextually or situationally, it might be a way better value than other times for sure. Yeah, yeah. So you have to value, like, hopefully you get a card that you value more than the three mana that you could have potentially spent other uh, in other places. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree with that. And it's it's fun to dissect the strategy of it a little bit. I, I don't want to spend too much time on that because... Um, without going too much into it. I actually moved away from the mage class, so I don't actually use that arcane intellect card too often, but so apparently left a really good impression on me. Uh, so I also, I, I want to give a little bit of background. I've been waiting to talk to you about this for so long. <laughs> you mentioned that we're recording late, so it's been you know almost two weeks since yeah. we did our homework, and you and I have hung out twice since you started your homework. Oh yeah, and resisted talking about it. Yeah, and we've resisted talking. Yeah. And I've even one of those occasions spent the entire time playing this game, <laughs> and we still did yeah. not talk about it. 
Yeah. So I knew you were enjoying yourself with your homework. Um, but I've I've just really been looking forward to this. Yeah. So go on. And, and outside of when we've actually met personally, you've dropped into a couple of my games to spectate, which was a, a really fun thing uh, that I didn't know was a part of this game when I first started playing is um, friends of yours on Battle.net can actually watch uh, a game go on in real time. And the user interface is actually pretty slick. I was wondering how they'd show that especially because I was playing on the phone and I didn't know how you were spectating, whether it was on an iPad or was there, whether it was on a PC or something like that. But it really works out really slick that whatever device you are uh, spectating on, that's the user interface that the session uses, basically. So it looks really good. It's not like you're looking at the phone screen on your iPad or something like that. It's a, a really slick feature, I think. Yeah, they did it. They did a really good job with that. That was something that did not launch day one oh. with the app. That was a update six months or whatever after I went live. But I like it a lot. Yeah, definitely. There's also, uh, so there's daily challenges. Every day you get like a new quest. And if you complete your quest, then you get a certain amount of gold. And one of the challenges is to spectate, not, not only just to spectate a friend, but to spectate a friend who wins. Oh, man. So you like have to organize with your friend and put additional pressure on them to say, you have to win this. Otherwise, I'm not going to get my, my quest completed. Don't waste my time. <laughs> I don't want to spectate a game you lose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, next piece of uh, commentary I have here after fuck yeah, draw two cards is very responsive to input. And actually, I was documenting all this feedback while I was playing on the iPhone version, and I've found since that the iPad version, at least in my opinion or my experience, has actually been quite a bit more responsive. I don't know exactly what it is. Maybe there's just an extra bit of processing on the phone or something like that, but that that might be something I made up, but it seems, at least to me, the iPad experience is you know, slightly more responsive than the phone. Next thing, which I can't really speak a lot to, I don't know what I was thinking, is deck grooming, question mark? I think uh, this has just been, oh, you know, so when you first go through the tutorial, you use a basic deck that you're provided, um, and I think that's what I was using. And what I was actually looking for was the ability to pick cards that go into my deck. And yeah, that's something that you're able to do. You get new cards we've talked about through a variety of different ways, either challenging people in the arena or um, you can straight up buy cards, you know, uh, play a daily challenge and you get gold that you can uh, buy packs of cards with. Um, And actually I don't have that in my notes here, but I did want to speak to how much fun I think uh, it is to pay gold for a pack of cards and then the way Blizzard set up the experience of taking that pack of cards and like yes. putting it in a certain spot and then tapping yes. a card so it turns over and you can see what it is. They captured the experience of opening a pack of cards like in a store. Like it took me right back to being in elementary school and hoping for like a rare Charizard card or a really cool Yu-Gi-Oh card. Like they did a phenomenal job capturing that experience in a digital way. It was, you know, hats off. They did so well. Yeah, they, they, they've got really good animations going on. Uh, they've got awesome sound effects. I don't know if you have purchased... There are two different kinds of packs that you can buy. Right, which I didn't really quite understand. I've tried one of each. 
Yeah, so that might... One of the... So I mentioned that there were two single-player expansions, and there was another expansion that was basically just a pool of, like, 100 additional cards called Goblins and Gnomes. So you can buy basic packs, or you can buy Goblins and Gnomes packs. And depending on which one you buy, you are you have the potential to get cards from a different pool. Goblins and Gnomes is newer. But so if you open a Goblins and Gnomes pack, the animation is completely different, and there's like spinning gears and shit like that, and it, it just feels really good. And also, uh, God, it's it's so good to nerd out with you on this, but so you like uh, you open the pack, and then they're all face down, and you have to click on them to flip them face up so you can see what they are but you can mouse over them before you click on them. And I don't know if you can do this on mobile. Oh, you, you can. So before you uh, you click or tap on it, it'll glow a certain color if it is a rare oh, or epic or a legendary. And so there have been times, like legendaries are the best cards and they typically do like insane things. And... uh so if you have a face down card that glows yellow, you know that it's incredible and you can like save that one to last and you can like anticipate it and then it flips and you're like, oh my God, this card is awesome. I'm going to win so many games. It's like getting, you you mentioned uh, like really high stat Yu-Gi-Oh or Pokemon cards. It, it's, it's, it's like that. It's just, this is a good one and you get very excited yeah. about it. It's like getting a foil back Pokemon card. It's awesome. Also, I think your chances of getting a legendary in a pack are 1 in 20. 1 in 20. Um, yeah. And actually, it's funny because you mentioned that it's like almost a shoe in that your cards could be awesome. But I was talking in hip chat at work today with a couple people who play, and they mentioned times where they have gotten legendary wisps, which I am not familiar with, but apparently are pretty uh, lame cards compared to other legendary ones. Like, I've actually gotten some really cool legendary cards but apparently it's possible to get uh maybe not duds but less less legendary lesser legendary cards maybe so there are definitely good and bad cards in Hearthstone and some legendaries are really good and some are bad definitely and even if you get a bad legendary though you can do what's called uh you can dust it and turn it into dust, which you can then spend. Disenchant on... it, right? Is that it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm using the the slang, I guess. You disenchant it and turn it into dust, mm. and then you can spend that dust on creating whatever cards you want. And legendaries give you more dust than regular cards. But also, point of clarification: there are no legendary wisps. Oh, so whoever Gold, you talk to wisp? on is that something else? Chat, I don't know. Golden wisp, oh, okay. definitely. Yeah. So legendary cards are golden, but golden wisps are not legendary. Legendary cards glow yellow. Any card <laughs> oh, sorry. can have a golden counterpart. And the only difference with the golden one is that they cost more gold if you want to make them. They cost more dust if you want to make them. And you get more dust back if you disenchant them. And they have like a different animation. Mm. Like usually cards are static but the golden version will have a animation to it. So it looks a little bit fancier. I see. Okay. That, that actually clarifies a lot of things in my mind. Cause I have seen that before where I've had two identical cars, but one has a pretty like a uh, golden border around it, but they do the exact same thing and I can't disenchant either of them. 
makes a little more sense now that if I were to craft the card, it would be the more expensive version, quote-unquote. Correct. And and actually, crafting is something I've not personally looked into much at all, so I, I definitely will have to do that more after this. Now that we can talk about it, we can talk crafting strategies. Yeah. All right. Next thing I have, and I think I might need to clarify this point, is that I said, it's annoying that memory is cleared when app is in background so frequently. And what I meant by this... Nerd. Nerd. What I meant by this is if you lock the phone or if you go to a different app or you get a phone call, if you basically do anything other than play Hearthstone with uh, with your phone or your tablet while you're in the middle of a match, it brings you to this uh, splash screen that basically says, oh, you, you were disconnected, you have to go back, unless you were playing an innkeeper, which is offline, in which case it does remember that sort of stuff. So it's just kind of coming to terms with how the app is um uh, i guess how it was implemented at like a data level if you if you leave a game it's i i don't know like i've played games against opponents who kind of stopped playing halfway through and i don't know if the game disconnected them or what i guess i have seen a notification once or twice that says this person has left the game otherwise maybe they're just looking at something else for a few turns uh, but that that was an initial thing that I thought was a little weird. I'm used to leaving an app and then coming back to the same spot. In Hearthstone, it takes you to like a little intermediary spot where you either reestablish connection or get kicked back to the start screen. Uh, next thing. <laughs> All right. Apparently, I, I I'm gaining confidence. Next thing I said is just beat the sixth guy, um, the boss of the first series of levels. I am a bad mother. <laughs> so this is i guess closing out the tutorial section of the game i had completed uh like the first main boss or the only main boss of that tutorial and i guess uh i, I was feeling pretty good about it hey so uh that's great I'm, I'm super excited that you're excited at this point i'm guessing that you have more notes that are post tutorial uh not a lot actually just a couple not a lot well, okay. So I think it would be a good time to pause for a sponsor update. Oh, all right. Let's hear it. So I actually got a message from our beer sponsor, John Schultz. I mentioned earlier that he had no sponsor message or copy for us to read, but he actually sent me a text message saying that he did have some copy. He realized that we were recording, even though we don't do this live. And he sent me a text message, and he said that he did have a uh, a sponsorship message for us, and that is, adopt, don't shop. And I'm like, it, it rhymes and it's cute, and I'm uh, I clarified with him that this does have to do with pets. So John is an animal lover, as am I, and as are you, and this is a endorsement that if you are looking for a pet you should hit up your local humane society and adopt one of the countless adorable animals available there instead of going to a breeder for your animals so that is john's sponsorship message keep that in mind next time you are looking for a furry animal family member addition to your family what a selfless sponsorship that is fantastic yeah, TechDown is actually has a variety of feline mascots that we uh, rep, and one that I I present Jenga 
if you were uh, privy to our pre-show periscopes, which if you follow us on Twitter, you would hear about, uh, you might have seen Jenga on today's periscope. She is a uh, really crazy little cat that we adopted from the Humane Society about a year and a half ago now, and that has been an excellent decision. I think it cost total $90, and she came uh, spayed slash neutered, whichever one you do to a little girl cat, and she was pre-chipped, so she gets lost. All of her contact, our contact information is embedded under her skin, and that's like normally a $45 thing, $50 thing is just included as part of uh, adopting her. So it was not only an economical choice, but it was the better choice, in my opinion, because those are cats that are in need. So definitely hit up your Humane Society. And so I've had my dog, Izzy, for over a year. I got her from the Humane Society. She is a phenomenal pet as well. She had all of her most up-to-date shots and uh, has a great temperament, and I think she's just phenomenal and a welcome addition to the family. Uh, the cat that we got before Izzy, we actually, it's a fun story. We were fostering a pregnant cat and then she had her kittens and we fostered all of those kittens for a while and gave the cat and her kittens back to shelter and kept one of them. So that's, that's kind of, that's adoption still. I think that fits with the adopt, don't shop message. Yeah. And don't ever suggest that to Mary Beth because she would foster a ton of <laughs> pregnant kitties at one time. And then we would have like litters of cats running around here. It was literally one of the best experiences of my life, Man. raising those little kittens. Man, that sounds awesome, actually. And you should do it uh, before you own a house so that anything they do to your carpet, you don't really care about. Pro tip. Good suggestion. All right. So... Thank you, John, for the beer and for the thoughtful sponsorship message. Indeed. Uh, All right, back to Hearthstone. All right, so after deciding that I'm a bad motherfucker, after completing the tutorial, I uh, next noted that the sense of progression has been awesome. I don't know if that explicitly mentions or applies to the tutorial section as you move through the levels, it might refer to deck building and just as you come to grips with what different cards do, different minions, different combinations of cards, you know, leveraging that strategy. I think just as the strategy unfolded, it became a lot more uh, exciting. So the, the sense of progression in that way was, was awesome. Hmm. I said, creating custom decks is super rewarding, which is not grammatically correct, but it is factually true. Because it is awesome to get a new card, either in a deck of cards or from completing an arena challenge or something like that, and seeing like, oh man, this would be a great like one-two combo with this other card. Um, in fact, going back a little bit, we mentioned that Arcane Intellect card where you get to draw two different cards and the pros and cons to that because it definitely is a trade-off. My favorite strategy right now is with the Shaman class, I think. I think that's correct anyway. Um, you know what? I'm mistaken. So with the priest class, you can draw a card, which is uh, it takes one mana to play, and she has one attack and three health. But every time a minion is healed on the field, uh, you get to draw a card. And so I have adopted that strategy and have had really, really good success. Um, actually, some really good successes, and then, of course, some failures where that card doesn't come up at all, and I don't get to play it, and so... That's kind of, you know, with these, you know, it's all with the the draw of the hand, you know. 
It's all in the cards, basically. Yeah, that's the uh, the Northshire Cleric, I believe. Ah, okay. The 1-3 for one mana. That's often a really good first turn card. A first turn card? See, I almost would never play it on uh, on the first turn. Not Not to talk too much strategy here, but my go-to is to put down a minion with Taunt so that... Um, uh, the enemy's minions have to attack that person, and then mm-hmm. behind that enemy with taunt, put this. What would you say it was? Something cleric? Northshire cleric. Northshire cleric. Yeah, put her yeah. behind that enemy with taunt so that I can uh, um, have her be in the background. So as I heal different minions, you know, I get the cards, and she's not like taken out with the first uh, with the first attack. Because a lot of other players seem to be wise to that strategy. It's probably pretty common, but. I've had really good success, especially when I get two of those out in the playing field and I heal one minion and draw two cards. Fantastic. Yeah. Love it. See, and, and we were talking about Arcane Intellect, which lets you draw cards. This is a much more efficient way of drawing cards because you can spend two mana to do your hero power. And if you have one North Star Cleric on the board and you heal it, you get one card for two mana. But you could do that again. Or like you said, if you have two Northshire clerics on the board and you heal one minion, you actually get two cards for two mana, which is actually much more efficient. Yeah, and that is like my go-to strategy right now. Man, so have you? are we going to talk classes later? Um, yeah, sure. I, I have one last piece of feedback here. Okay, all right, go ahead. And then, then I'm going to berate you with questions. <laughs> all right, works for me. So my last note here is just installed iPad version. I should have done this way sooner, and I definitely, uh, I definitely stick to that. It seems that I download the iPad version; it did not look back because that is my last piece of or my last note. Uh, and it definitely, you know, I spoke to it already. It's it's really nice uh, having a little more room to to breathe, especially when your handful of cards gets a little more busy. So I, I definitely appreciate the extra screen real estate and the fact that I use my phone for other stuff, whereas this is like. The iPad's my dedicated Hearthstone machine now, and the battery's really big, <laughs> so so that works out pretty well. All right, so I think we've reached the Q&A section. Yep, I'm all out of notes. All right, so, so at this point, you mentioned that you have been playing quite a bit, and I, I play a bit also, and it seems like every time I get online, I see that you're playing, which makes me really happy that... I've recommended something to you that you like. Has consumed my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a goal. Hopefully it's not preventing you from eating or exercising or being with loved ones or anything like that. Well, and you're just enjoying yourself. I've been enjoying myself. Ask Mary Beth about the loved ones thing. Uh-huh. So maybe what you need to do is get her to play Hearthstone. Yeah. Well, recommend it to her i don't know i kind of feel like i'm the person who's more inclined to play this sort of thing it's like up my alley at least a little bit more and it took you how long to convince me to do it yeah okay <laughs> fair point i don't know i i feel like uh i feel like she would get into it but like the barrier to entry is kind of high fair enough fair enough so what i was going to say though is that i when when one of your battle.net friends is playing Hearthstone, you can see what rank they are. And I saw that you are already rank 18, I think, last I saw. Which, and this is in Constructed against actual opponents. And I said you start at 25. Right. And you have already climbed the ranks to 18, which I think is a notable achievement. Is this something that we've mentioned? So when you're playing against other opponents, just in normal uh, uh 
playstyle, not in the arena. You can choose from two different categories, either casual or ranked. And for the first like two or three days, I did nothing but casual, or I guess two or three days that I was actually playing against other people, I did nothing but casual. Um, just honing my skill, you know, if I try out a new class to see if I was garbage at it or not. So I didn't actually get into the, the ranking system until maybe about a week ago or so, and I kind of took it a little slowly at first. Um, but then I talked to a friend of the show, Mike Dickman, at work, and he mentioned uh, playing Hearthstone a few months back, and he had kind of hit a wall, like right around rank 15, where everyone he was matched up against was super, super good. And uh, I, that kind of inspired me to start playing the rank system a lot more frequently, and it's been pretty exciting, or at least it's been interesting to see how it how it works, because if you're on a streak in the rank system and you defeat a couple opponents in a row, you start gaining... Um, what what would you consider them stars between these different levels? I think you need right. like three different stars before you go down a rank, which is a good thing. Um, and you would skip a couple stars, maybe just like move an entire rank uh, if you were on a, a hot streak. Whereas if you lose a game, you lose one of your stars and potentially go down a rank or up a rank rather. And so that's been kind of a driving factor to me is just see like, all right, well, uh, apparently rank 15 is where things get like just brutally hard. So that's been kind of uh, what I've been trying to get to. It's been a little personal challenge to see if I can get past rank 15. Yeah. And so are you 18 now? Uh, yeah, somewhere around there. Give or take somewhere a start. Somewhere around there? Yeah. So I actually would say that Blizzard has done a really good job of matching you with opponents of a similar, similar skill. So that you are consistently winning 50% of your games. And so if Mike felt like he hit a wall where he kept losing. Oh, you think he got worse? I think that if he played again after that, he would be matched against opponents of a lower skill, which is okay. But his odds of winning would increase. So whenever I kind of hit a wall like that, like I just try to play through it and then I just... I catch the wave once it once i start to win again yeah because it's important you have to have kind of like a goldfish memory about your losses you have to let them go and still remain confident that you can win with with your deck yeah and um a little separate from that but something that i one of my most favorite things about hearthstone so far and i really got to give a lot of props to blizzard for this is how players who are matched against each other either ranked or casual, uh, communicate with each other. Yeah. So you and I, we're Battle.net. We're Battle.net friends, so we can kind of use the uh, in-game chat feature to send each other messages. But if you're not friends with somebody, but you're playing a game with them, Blizzard only has like a set of maybe six or ten uh, like pre-canned emotions, basically, that you can select. And so if you select the oops emote uh, option for your hero, he might say something like mistakes were made. Or if you say like threaten, he'll like say his little catchphrase to try to intimidate the other player. Or like you can say sorry or uh, thank you, stuff like that. And I was explaining to Mary Beth, who, like we just said, doesn't have any experience with Hearthstone, about how you can kind of like use the different uh, pre-canned emotions sarcastically or contextually differently. And she's like, I don't understand what you mean. I'm like, well, maybe... 
a player just like played two cards in a in order that wasn't very efficient or they accidentally played a card against their own guy i've seen that happen once or twice you might then say well done but it's in a sarcastic manner because given the context they just messed up and so it's just explaining to her that even though they've done a really good job of making it so it's like a, a very um positive experience I, I would say there's not like a lot of there's not a lot of um taunting or anything like that anyone who you find grieving you at all like that you can still kind of play around within the kind con, uh within like the different emotions that you have you can kind of play around with them a little bit and that's that's been a lot of fun and i've actually been a really good citizen about like when you start a game saying greetings and then if it's been a really good game and your opponent's been an awesome matchup saying, well done, at the end of it. Or, like, if you're just completely stomping on a person, like, on your last turn, being like, what What are some of the threatened emotions? Like, I will hunt you down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The elements will destroy you. Like, stuff I like that. I will be your death. Yeah, the light will destroy you. Yeah, uh, just, you know, playing around with those have been actually a lot of fun. And, and that, it's been... What it actually reminds me of is a journey a lot, which kind of has a similar yep. thing. Yeah, where you can chirp exactly. at different players, and that's all it means. Like maybe it means come over here, or maybe it means something else entirely, or maybe you're just chirping basically. And so you can kind of have these uh, quote unquote conversations with other players just using a couple different words or phrases or emotions, and that's been fun to play around with a lot. Yeah, there's still a lot of opportunity to be expressive with their pre canned sayings their emotes that you can say uh you can be you can be bad mannered about things but that's like as bad as you can be you can't like be racist or you can't be discriminatory uh or anything like that and if you're being obnoxious and using the threat emote all the time i don't know if you've found this but you can actually squelch somebody else oh is that what that means yeah so if you select them. I have squelched other players. I didn't know. I thought it was just making a sound, like a squelch sound. Nope. That prevents them from saying things, too. So if they were just continually saying garbage things to kind of get on your nerves, you can squelch them, and then uh, it doesn't come across to you anymore. I see. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. But then that resets the next time you come across an opponent. Right, right, right. Anyway, yeah, I, I think that's that's fascinating, the way that they've done interactions. Um, okay, so something that you didn't notice, or something that you didn't mention, I'm sure you noticed it, that is one of my favorite things about Hearthstone, is that every single card, and there's hundreds, has different art on it from a very skilled artist. And so much of the art is just top-notch phenomenal. Yeah. And since you are an artist, uh, or you have a lot of skills of an artist, I would I would think that that would be something that would be near and dear to your heart. Yeah, um, just to speak to that a little bit, if if you're familiar with the Magic uh, trading card game at all, this is a concept that Blizzard seemingly picked up from there, which is having um, not just one dedicated art team or artist uh, working on the, the, the design of these cards. They'll have like a whole host of people who design the cards. And what's most impressive about Hearthstone is that they all seem to adhere to a very similar style, which is in keeping with the design of the game. I think it's a really well-designed game from an art an art perspective, not just from an interaction and animation standpoint, but like the art itself is really good, and it seems like 
um, the the direction of that has been really taken to heart by this this different variety of artists who create the cards. So I, I did definitely notice uh, the different art styles and the artists who create them. I um, don't have a ton to say about any individual cards. I definitely appreciate uh, the art style of a couple more than the other. Like one that initially I'm like, oh man, what is up with this card? Is a, a Noyatron. So I had gotten an Noyatron card, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this card's weird. What is what is a Divine Shield? I had no idea. So I like got the card, I'm like, okay. I didn't put it in my deck, anything like that. Until I spectated a game where I saw you play Anoyatron, and I got to see him in action in a game, and I saw how awesome of a combination Taunt and Divine Shield are together, especially as like a first move. Um, so Anoyatron is one of my go-to guys now. And uh, it's funny because he, he is one of those ones that kind of stretch the boundary of the established art style a little bit, but still kind of fits in with the, the confounds of the game, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, and something that is similar, but not exactly the same, is that each card also has its own sound design. Oh. And pre-recorded, there, there's a sound, uh, an audio clip that plays when you play a card, and when it attacks, and also when it dies. And I noticed when you were playing, when I was around, you did not have the sound on. And I was wondering if you were consistently not playing with the sound because I think the sound design in uh, Hearthstone is just absolutely top notch and one of the one of my favorite things actually about the game. Can I ask how did you know I wasn't playing with sound on? Because I was like looking over your shoulder. Every oh, once in a while. I see. Yeah. Okay. When we were actually physically in the same room. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Actually, until I think yesterday, I didn't really play with the sound on at all, which is something that I'm guilty of with a ton of mobile games. Another game that has pretty good sound design that I never, almost never experienced is Threes, which I think was one of our app of the year, game of the year. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, for both of us. And Threes has uh, background music that becomes super distinct and noticeable, but I almost never heard that theme ever. Um, and it, it kind of goes the same way with Hearthstone. For the last two weeks or so, I played almost exclusively with the sound off until yesterday. And just like you said, I really uh, I noticed how top-notch the sound design was. Um, the entire uh, game is sort of... The, the setting of it is seemingly like in a tavern setting, like a fantasy tavern. So when you right. when you're on the main screen, there's just like the clinking of glasses and like the murmuring of voices. And it's just like a bar setting, like in addition to the music that's going on. And like, as you tap buttons, you know, different sound effects are happening. And that is something that I really, really liked. It's almost like calming rain, you know, it's just like the din of a crowd uh, in a crowded room. That is something that I really, I really appreciate it. And I, I might actually end up uh, playing with the sound on more frequently now. So I think that all all of everything that you mentioned is amazing and really contributes to the ambiance of the game, I would say. But the thing that is so impressive to me is that there are a couple hundred cards and every single card has had great care placed in uh, the art design, which we talked about, but also the sound design and thinking of things that cards would say 
recorded with different audio, uh, like voiceover yeah. artists. So like the writing, phenomenal. The people who are speaking the lines are phenomenal. Sometimes there's different sound effects depending on what you hit. And so many of the cards that you play are my favorites because they have such cool sound effects or such funny, like laugh out loud, funny lines that I find myself saying to my, to to myself, like throughout my day. Um, so I I would definitely recommend spending a little bit more time playing with the sound because I think that's where a lot of the charm comes from. Yeah. And again, like I said, not too much experience playing that way. I'll have to in the future. But I really admire how well paired the sound effects are to the individual cards. Like I yes, played yeah. Murlocs with uh, the sound on, and it makes this like gurgling sound that for, <laughs> for whatever reason was completely in line with in my head what like a Murloc would say when you play it. It was like, oh, and man, that's weird. So, dude, there's like 20 different Murloc cards, and each one has different sound effects for when it's played when it attacks and when it dies. Yeah. That's really, really good attention to detail. I love that. Attention to detail. Exactly. Um, okay. So what is your favorite class to play? Um, I've been playing a ton as what, what did I say earlier? Oh, the priest. That's what I've been playing mostly as the last couple of days. I had a lot of experience playing as, um, either the shaman or the druid, whichever one summons totems. I had really good shaman. shaman so I had really good totem game going on then. And then uh, to start off, I played as mage, but I don't really, I don't, I, I think like 0% of the time since I switched away from her, if I gone back. Pretty sure it's been between uh, shaman and um, priest most of the time. Um, how about you, though? So that's really funny. Uh, I, there are nine classes total that you can play. I play as about five of them pretty regularly. And shaman and priest are two that I almost never play. And in fact, in my head, priests, people who play priests are unquestionably the biggest assholes in Hearthstone. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You would agree with that? Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, They just seem so snarky. Their cards are, like you mentioned, the Northshire Cleric for priest. It's like you play Northshire Cleric and then you get to heal it off of a guy that it killed. And so you get to kill a guy and draw a card, and then you can say, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's I like, do say that a lot, actually. I, I don't <laughs> say that, but I see it a lot. Yeah. I definitely, and, I definitely do sarcastic well done sometimes, though. Yeah, so I'm definitely prejudiced against Priest. I tend to play, lately I've been playing a lot of Warrior. Mm-hmm. I always play a lot of Warlock, a lot of Rogue, and maybe a little bit of Mage. And oh, a lot of hunter. Can I can I tell you about a little bit of like a moral quandary that Hearthstone set me in? Yeah. So when I when I was first kind of starting out and like I won a game, it was really really cool. But like what I really enjoyed doing, I, or I, at least I found myself doing a lot, is if like my opponent was clearly not going to be like making a, a run of it, like to you know even the odds or something like that. Like I was about to win, like um, but I had like maybe a really cool legendary card in my hand still. Instead of like just going for the kill blow, like I'd you know basically show what I had, like just put out every card I had, like every combination, like get everyone's attack and health like as high as I could. And just to show, like, as a show of might, basically, and then take them out. And I, like, I thought about it. Like, why am I doing this? Like, that really <laughs> is strange. It's because you're a priest. And, 
I think you're, there's might maybe more truth to that than you know. Um, and, uh, and I, I kind of thought about it for a bit and I thought that it was it's something that is in line with being a bad sport. Like I thought that it was kind of like showy and it was kind of like unnecessary. So now if say like, um, my opponent only has five health, but I have like an entire like lineup of minions on the playing field and I have legendary cards, like I can basically do that power play. I'll just take them out with the uh, whatever minion I have, which is just enough to kill them and, like, drain their health, but not enough to be like, and I killed you with my, like, highest, you know, rated guy or whatever like that. Like, just as a, like, a stab at the heart, like, I kind of question, like, why am I doing that? Like, it kind of made me feel a little weird inside. So now, like, it's, and actually it kind of ties into a point I wanted to make, which is, Hearthstone only lets you do like a set amount of emotes and I find myself doing the well done emote very frequently like earnestly too like at the end of games it's just like oh that was a fun game and the same thing is like now I'm more inclined to play like less of an asshole like do those power play type moves and it's like without doing a ton Blizzard made me a better citizen of Hearthstone like just basically letting me do whatever I want but I got a little introspective about it and like altered my behavior because of that, which is I thought interesting. An interesting note. Yeah, there's definitely ways to be bad mannered and not be a good Hearthstone citizen. Um, another way is to, if you have lethal, like if you can kill your opponent, to just sit there and not do anything. Like that's that's like super bad mannered in my opinion. I'm like you. I always try to finish off my opponent quickly, and if I win, I'm almost always a gracious winner unless they were being a jerk to me right while we were playing at which point i might beat them and then say thank you just to kind of be like hey don't be a jerk to me thanks for giving me a victory yeah um but i I totally get where you're coming from i try to finish off my opponents as quickly as possible too yeah all right um uh we're like this is our longest episode ever or close to it um so i have a couple more rapid fire questions for you all right shoot okay favorite card my favorite card i'm gonna go back to um oh shoot i already forgot what it was called yeah the one three uh draw card when you heal somebody Northstar cleric okay um that's good what is do you have any least favorite cards cards that you don't like to go against or that you came across and you're like, this is just garbage and it's not helping me out. Garbage cards. Um, I find myself playing defensively a lot. So between two cards, I'm trying to think of what it is. It's one goblin guy who has taunt. It's like he has a five attack and four defense, I think. And the booty bay bodyguard. Yeah, that's him. And then uh, another guy, the, oh man, I can't even say his name. He's like a skeleton, uh, Shinya something, something or another. He's got like five health, two attack, something like that. Maybe four attack. Uh, Is that the Shen Shenzhen Shield Master? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. So I I had both of them in my uh, in my deck at one point, and whenever the Booty Bay guy would come up, the Goblin, I would be like, man, why do I even have him? Um, I find myself <laughs> playing defensively so much more, even though they both had taunt. I preferred the guy with higher health every time. So. That's just kind of the way I find myself playing, which is a little more defensively, like build up. Like I mentioned, you know, I like to have a bunch of minions with taunt so that if I put um, that Northshire cleric up, she is well protected, you know, ideally. 
And so this this what I do, like I definitely throw up the minions with high health so that's hard to take them down. Like that's definitely the way I have been playing recently. Um yeah, I can't think of any cards in particular that single out as being really bad. Uh I don't see them very much in rotation. I'm sure they're in my collection of cards, but I haven't gone through and dusted them. Okay. So you touched on something else that I I think is really fascinating about Hearthstone, which is, and I didn't even really believe this the first time I heard it, but the basic playstyles are either aggressive or control. And so you said you played defensively, and that would kind of be more the control oriented kind of decks yeah where what you want to do is you want the game to go longer and you have maybe cards that are higher mana cost but are bigger and will eventually do more damage and you want to extend the game out to that point so that you can play those cards versus an aggro deck which has a lot of low cost cards that might be like only one or two health and you kind of flood the board early and you try to prevent the game from progressing to that point. Um, and depending on how I'm feeling, I might want to play a more aggro or more control style, but it's something that I learned pretty early that those were kind of the two main ways to build a deck. And I was like, that's crazy. There's like all different flavors and blah, 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 blah. But now I like can, when I'm playing against an opponent, realize pretty quickly if they're playing more uh, aggro or more control style and kind of react uh, effectively towards it. And it, it helps out a lot. Yes. Oh, man. It's so crazy. I love, like, I figure that every card you play is like a test of what type of player you're playing against. So, like, a lot of the time I was playing totems early on, and that might be, um, I think it was the shaman class we decided. Um, so that might be like a totem that would heal every other minion you have, but it's like a zero two totem, like it can't attack you at all. And that's like such a cool first move to play against an opponent because you can really size up like, okay, this could be a potential threat like the next turn, two turns down the road. Is he going to attack him now to like cut out, basically cut me out at the leg so I can't like get any good combos going? Or is he going to perceive it as not enough of a threat to basically attack and like attack my player? And that to me like really speaks to which of these two play styles the, the character or the, the other player falls into is like really interesting like in my opinion just seeing like okay well what's your move like what are you going to do like there's no right or wrong decision it's just basically like how you decide to react to this first move decides how i'll play like the rest of the game basically and that's really really fascinating yeah and the faster and more accurately you can determine what kind of deck you're playing against the more accurately you can predict what kind of cards they're going to have because you're like, oh, this is a control deck. I am almost certain that turn five, they're going to play a Sludge Belcher. Because that's a very common control card. And it's really hard to play against, but you might change the way that you trade your minions. Or the things that you hold on to, based off of knowing that they're likely to play a Sludge Belcher turn five. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So just to speak to that a bit, yeah, I definitely have noticed that myself. And tend to favor the defensive side yeah but then there's also what is referred to as the metagame 
in Hearthstone, where certain classes tend to gain more favor because they are seen as being more like balanced in a way that they are more powerful than other classes. And so there are certain classes and certain decks that the that might be more frequent for you to come across. And if you can identify those trends, then you can build your deck in counter to those trends. And so the more quickly that you can actually identify the kind of opponents that you might come across, the more efficiently you can build a deck and that might increase your odds of winning. Hmm. So like this is like, uh, and it's something that I spend a lot of, I don't, I don't want to say a lot of time thinking about, but but I think about it. And it's like next level stuff. And you can definitely enjoy the game without getting involved in that sort of thing. But after a certain point, it's something that you want to uh, invest a little bit of thought and time in. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other last questions you want to ask? Yeah. Uh, do you have any legendary cards? Uh, I do. The two legendary cards I have are Hogger which I find really good. And then the other one, that's a six mana card. And then the other one is an eight mana card called Gruel. He's like seven. You got attack, Gruel? Seven health. Yeah. And then every turn he uh, adds one, one, which is. Oh, Gruel is so cool. Gruel's cruel, but it's pretty hard to uh, play him unless you have like a couple guys with taunt uh, lined up already. Basically, in my opinion, or at least the way I play, Gruel is like, not quite overkill, but it's like a cherry on top almost. Like if I'm hmm. in a position to play Gruel, um, at least the way I want to, like I'm, I've already got like a pretty solid lineup on the field. He's not like my only guy out there, you know, because like one card from th- there's a lot of cards that, um, that I see other players using against me that I don't have that just basically, like, level the playing field late in the game, like, destroy, you know, deal four attack to all minions, like, and if you play that when I have a bunch of totems up, like, you basically wiped out my entire uh, playing field. And and so uh, there there's just a couple things like that that, like, you can take down a legendary car, like, within a turn. So, like, occasionally it's just not even worth playing Gruul. Whereas I like Hogger a lot because at the end of your turn he spawns a dude with Taunt every time. Yeah, he's a really good control style card. Very true. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I have Hogger, and he is one of my favorites. And also, as an aside for Hogger, he is good against a meta that is priest heavy, which the meta is not very priest heavy right now, because he has four attack. And priests have a card called Shadow Word Pain, which automatically kills a card that has three attack or lower, and Shadow Word Death, that automatically kills a card that has five attack or higher. I didn't think of that. And Hogger has four attack, which can't be targeted by either of those. Yeah, so against Priest, four attack cards are fantastic, and he's a four attack legendary, so he is really hard for Priest to deal with. Hmm. Yeah, as a Priest, I actually have both those cards in my deck. I didn't consider that. Yep. So, um, yeah, those are all of my questions. All right. Um, man, this episode went really long. I know. It was it was worth it, though. There was a lot of homework done, so I'm glad we put aside the time to actually talk about it. Hopefully our listeners did their homework also. Otherwise, <laughs> this is going to be our longest and most esoteric and boring episode. Yeah, exactly. But we did have our first sponsor. 
which yeah, is notable. So I am comfortable closing out this episode. How about you? Me too. Let's do it. All right. Let's sign off. So I am available for questions, comments, concerns, compliments on Twitter. You can reach me at Aaron Kump. Uh, we also have a URL. If you want to check out the podcast, you can listen to the podcast. You can check out show notes. You could read a little bit more about your charming co-host. The URL for that is techdown.fm. We do not have a .com, so it's .fm. And on Twitter, I am at Adam Comp, and we are at TechDownFM. Again, it's not a .com. I think that'll do it. Again, not a .com. I think that'll do it for this week's episode of TechDown. Thanks again to our sponsor, John Schultz, who reminds all of you to adopt, not shop. Now the show is over. <laughs> Thanks, Jonathan, it man. Accidental. Tech Down Podcast. Accidental. <laughs> Adam didn't do any research. Aaron got addicted to Hearthstone. <laughs> it was accidental. All right. I'll talk to you All right, later. I'm turning it off. <laughs>